privilege to be up here. Um, blessing, but it seems I always, uh, there's always a feeling of falling short uh, to bring the truth. So I pray that uh, you know, God works through me, uh, through the weakness that I am as a man, to bring you that. Um, <clears throat> so we're going through James, uh, the Epistle of James, and we're on chapter 2, and just two weeks ago, we looked at verses 14 through 26, uh, faith and works, and that was part one, so this is obviously the follow-up to that, part two. And so first, I'm just going to jump right into the text of the first half and have a little bit of review of that. So that's uh, looking at James 2, verses 14 through 19 first, and then we'll move on from there. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warm and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? But if someone may well say, You have faith and I have works, show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. To a brief review on that, you know, James here is denying the ideas, a couple ideas or notions. You know, one, a saving faith can be apart from works. A saving faith can be apart from works. Again, denying this. And then two, that a mere knowledge of God can save. We deceive ourselves if we believe these myths. Recall James, you know, said in verse 17, faith, if it has no works is dead being by itself. When a genuine faith sees a need for a brother or a sister, there is not a well-wishing or a mere talking of help, but there is compassion that is followed with an actual doing. There is, no, you know, there is actual service to the person's need. You know, if one is truly connected to the vine, he bears much fruit. John fifteen five, As I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. J.C. Ryle in his book Holiness captures this very well. He says, The faith which has not sanctifying, which has not the sanctifying influence on the character, is no better than the faith of devils. It is a dead faith because it is alone. It is not a gift of God. It is not the faith of God's elect. In short, where there is no sanctification of life, there is no real faith in Christ. True faith works by love. It constrains a man to live under the law by a deep sense of gratitude for redemption. It makes him feel that he can never do too much for him who died for him. Being much forgiven, he loves much. He whom the blood cleanses walks in light. Moving on to part two, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, chapter two, verses twenty to twenty-six. If you're able to stand with me, we'll finish this uh, portion of chapter two together. Verses twenty to twenty-six. And the Holy Scriptures say, "But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that uh, a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, we thank you so much for your word that it may enlighten us, that it may save our souls, that it may revive us and make us wise. We ask for your grace that we might receive these. Open our ears and our hearts to receive your truth. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Back to verse 20, you know, are you willing to recognize or understand, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? In other versions, it's, it's dead. And James resumes the argument. Quiet, James. James resumes the argument that faith without works is dead, useless, or unprofitable. It's vain, he asked rhetorically. But are you willing to recognize, so that NSAB or the New King James Version, do you want to know, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? The word recognize or gnosko means come to know or to get knowledge. This is a very reasonable question for rebuking and instructing in righteousness. Asking questions not only keeps you know, the mind alert you know, for seeking an answer, but brings down a person's mode of defense, hence aiding in persuasion and understanding. This is a wise question to ask ourselves as well. You know, anytime we come to a difficult doctrine, am I willing to recognize? Do I really want to know the truth? James 3.17 says, The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. James is you know, addressing a uh, particular group that he calls foolish. The word foolish, kanos, means empty, vain, or devoid of truth. Such are proud boasters, boasters vainly puffed up by their fleshly mind, empty of true knowledge of God and the faith of Christ and the grace of the Spirit. In other words, hypocrites. And hypocrites require this type of strong rebuke. Thomas Manton comments, Hypocrites do not usually think and usually have a sleepy conscience so that they are so that we must not whisper but cry aloud. A hypocrite needs not rebuked in a mild manner for it would only soothe him in his error. Christ uses it similarly in Matthew twenty three seventeen, You fools and blind men, and when rebuking the scribes and Pharisees, also Luke twenty four twenty five. O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all the prophets, in all that the prophets have spoken. And Paul as well in Galatians 3.1, you foolish Galatians. But understand, James is not using this 
term, this word, or uh, not in contemptuous, contemptuous speech, um, but it's a necessary part in rebuking, okay, and a particular kind of people. So this does not give you the license to call each other fools, okay. Um, Christ forbids this in Matthew five twenty two. This this makes me think of when I first I heard a message on this a while back uh, about fools, and me and my brother used to call each other fool, just you know, kind of as a nickname. You know, you, you fool. You know, you used to you hear that a lot from you know. Uh, What's his name? B.A. Baracus on the A-team, you know, fool you know, all the time. But anyway, uh, it's, it's of your own, your own uh, conscience, but you know, I just refrain from it. <laughs> now we call each other wise, you know, whether we're wise or not. Anyway, um, James rebukes the foolishness and of believing that there's a true faith without works. Okay, then he corrects and instructs in righteousness through real examples of faith and works to help define the nature okay, of a true and genuine faith. So verses 21 to 24, I'm going to go back through this. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. I'm going over that again because you'll later see that there's just great controversy and, and the need and errors in understanding what justification by faith alone is here. And a lot, there is much there where... Um, People say, and sources say, many sources say that, you know, this is a direct contradiction of what Paul teaches. But we'll get into that. I want to move in and look at some definitions first, because some of you may not have even heard of some of these definitions, which is fine. What is justification? Okay, you'll hear the word justify a lot. All right, what is justification? Since we are sinners separated from God, we are in need of, de- of God declaring us righteous. Okay? Justification is being declared righteous by God, by faith alone, in Christ's imputed righteousness. The 1695 you know, Baptist Catechism defines uh, it this way. Justification is an act, okay, it's an important part, an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. That's Romans 3.24, Ephesians 1.7, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Romans 5.19, Philippians 3.9, and Galatians 2.16. I can get those with you later if you want those references. So back to so the last part of that, only for righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So what's, what is imputed in righteousness? It is Christ's righteousness being imputed or ascribed to us. And Christ's righteousness ascribed to us. Okay? It fully satisfies the Father's judicial anger and fury. And Puritan Thomas Brooks puts it this way, Christ's righteousness is so perfect, so full, so exact, so 
complete so as to fully satisfy the justice of God. That's what we need. He needs, we need a fully satisfying God. That divine justice cries out, I have enough, I require no more. There's nothing that we can do. Our works, our own righteousness cannot complete that. It has to be through God's grace, imputed righteousness from Christ to us. So what is faith? Hebrews 11 and 1 through 2, many of you know. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. For it, by the men of old, gained approval. Many key words there, assurance, conviction, and gained approval. But I want you to recognize here is that faith is more than an acknowledgement okay, or a knowing that Christ is a son and that he died for your sins. Faith is so much deeper and fuller than that. J.I. Packer explains faith this way. Faith is a conscious acknowledgement of our own unrighteousness and ungodliness, and on the basis of looking, and on that basis, okay, of understanding who we are, of looking to Christ as our righteousness, and a clasping of him as a ring clasped the jewel, so Luther. A receiving of him as an empty vessel receives the treasure, so Calvin, and a reverent, resolute reliance on the biblical promise of life through him for all who believe. Faith is our act, but not our work. So faith is our act, okay, but it's not our work. It's the work of God. Um, it is an instrument. Our faith is an instrument of reception without being a means of merit. It is the work in us of the Holy Spirit. See, faith is more than a belief. It's an allegiance. It's a loyalty. It's a complete trust in Christ's saving righteousness. Faith is reverent. Faith is a reverent, resolute reliance that connects us savingly to Jesus Christ. And this kind of faith has works. Again, which is James' main argument, that faith and works cannot be separated. So, these definitions in mind, if I didn't thoroughly confuse you, I'm going to go through 21 and 24 again. So again, justification, imputed righteousness, and what faith really is. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. Is that as a result of the works, faith was perfected. His faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Okay, this is, this is where it's a little bit confusing, so I want to explain this more. Justified by works. Two times he mentions justified by works. Justified by works. But we just saw that. We're justified by Christ's imputed righteousness right, through faith alone. And it's by God's grace. Okay? But this says justified by works, not by faith alone. So, yeah, I was confused by these passages uh, when beginning this. It appears that James is claiming that Abraham was justified by works and not by faith alone. But if this were true, it would contradict Paul's teaching of justification by faith alone in Romans and Galatians. You know, for example, I'm going to give you some examples of what, what, what Paul uh, 
taught here. Justification by faith alone. Galatians 3.2. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing faith? Are you so foolish, having, be, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by flesh? One's not regenerated, given new life by his works. It's, again, it's by God. Romans 4.5, uh, Paul speaking of Moses. But to, uh, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Not by works, but by faith. Again, one is justified. Romans 3.20. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Romans 3.28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart, apart from works of the law. As Paul teaches, the word says, the works of the law or following laws cannot perfect you. They do not justify. They cannot make you righteous before God. It is only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that one can be justified before God. If this is somewhat confusing, it's okay. If you Google faith and works, it pulled up 156 million hits, web links, related topics regarding that. There has been great controversy. There is and has been great controversy and errors over justification by faith alone, also known as sola fide, one of the five solas of the Reformation. It would be great to get into that, but maybe another time. The main questions now are, is James teaching that sinners are justified by works and denying justification by faith alone, as stated in verse 24, for example? And then so does this contradict uh, what Paul teaches in Romans and Galatians? Well, this first, a couple of considerations to try to track with me here. Things to consider first. The same word could have many meanings. We know that. Take the word break, for example. I took a break. You know, you broke the speed limit. How about we break for lunch? This could be your lucky break. And it goes on and on and on. The point is, words are very ambiguous. Even Jonathan Edwards stated, Oh, how is the world darkened and clouded, distracted, and torn to pieces by those dreadful enemies of mankind called words. There are five possible meanings uh, for the word uh, justify, or D-K-I-O-O-U, something like that. But for attention's sake, it's just going to be mentioned the two that have been narrowed down um, and basically the main commentators and uh, Calvin agreed that these were the two that you're talking about. Could be, for example. So again, uh, to justify. Five possible meanings for the word justify. A, or one, to declare someone righteous. To render a verdict of innocent Okay, so first one, to declare someone righteous, to render a verdict of innocent. That's the justification we saw Paul teaching. Okay. Um, this would be his context. And then a second of justification, to prove or demonstrate someone is righteous or in the right. To prove someone is righteous. All right. Second consideration. 
Scripture does not contradict itself. It's impossible. God is perfect and holy, and since the Word is God and the Scriptures are God-breathed, John 1.1, 1, 1, 2 Timothy 3.16, it is impossible for errors to exist. The Holy Scriptures are inerrant and do not contradict each other. It's just that we have finite understanding and knowledge. So back to the questions. Is James teaching that sinners are justified by works and denying justification by faith alone? And then this, does um, Paul contradict uh, James? So one, this is not a matter of Abraham's justification, first of all. The whole theme argument of James is that faith and works right, cannot be separated. So this is not a matter of Abraham's justification being declared righteous. He was already made righteous. You know, 30 years, some 30 years before that, when God called him through his grace, you can see in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Then also in Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord, believed the Lord, and counted it to him as righteousness. Here was his justification, which is what James refers to in verse 23, which we already read. So two. What's occurring here is a perfecting of his faith. Like the second meaning of justification, to prove someone is righteous. Genesis 22, 1 says, God did prove or test Abraham. It is here that he proves his faith. Look at verse 22 again. You see that faith was working with his works. They're together. They're not separated. And as a result of the works... Faith was perfected. Faith and works are not separated. They work together to perfect. James taught this earlier also in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, when he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith will produce endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete. It goes on lacking in nothing. So what was Abraham's or what was the result of Abraham's trial it was perfecting of his faith. It brought forth a remarkable a remarkable fruit of obedience. As though Calvin comments as well, uh, but we ought to seek out a right interpretation according to the general drift of the whole passage. This is just a, a great general consideration for us as we study the scriptures. We ought to seek out the right interpretation according to the general drift of the whole passage, the general context. We have already said that James does not speak here of the cause of justification. This is him going on here. Or the, or the manner how men obtain righteousness, but that his objective was only to show that good works are always connected with faith. Therefore, since he declares that Abraham was justified by works, he is speaking of the proof he gave of his justification. Hopefully you're convinced. But what a difficult proof this was. What a remarkable obedience and faith that Abraham Abraham demonstrated. I mean, can you imagine taking your own son or daughter up to knowing that to be sacrificed? You know, if if this wasn't enough already, it was like a three-day journey, I believe, and he had to take his own wood with him as well. Now, that's a cost. And we've been seeing a lot in Luke, the cost of discipleship. 
What's the cost of your faith? Questions we need to ask ourselves. What if God commanded your obedience in such a task? What would be the result? Would your faith be proven? Would you demonstrate a remarkable obedience? Could you respond as Job did in all of his trials, falling to the ground and worshiping God? Okay, so what do we do with this not by faith alone? So I just want to visit this again for a little bit. Because still reading all the way through this, he ends. It's it's just, he ends with, or at least in 24, not by faith alone. So, as I already said, James is not denying justification by faith alone, known as sola fide. He is furthering this point that a mere profession of faith, or just an assenting to it, acknowledging of it, is just... It's so far from justifying that it is not properly faith. Faith alone is how we need to look at it, this faith alone. Faith alone, faith apart from works, that's, that's what he's saying. Faith apart from works. Faith that has no fruit. Faith that has no obedience. Faith that is not love. Faith that shows no mercy. This faith alone is not a justifying, saving faith. This faith alone he speaks of is a dead and lifeless faith. That Calvin hits the nail on the head. Unfortunately, I found this quote after I was done. I just probably could have read this, and I think it was some of the whole sermon. <laughs> so when he said, it, it, is, it is faith alone that justifies, but the faith that justifies is not alone. If it makes sense. It, it is the faith alone that justifies, but the faith that justifies is not alone. There's works that goes with it, that demonstrates, that shows, that proves your obedience, that perfects you. Like Rahab the harlot, who demonstrated her faith by welcoming uh, and housing the spies. Verse 25. We see where there is faith, there are good works. There's a remarkable obedience. John Gill comments, This woman was an instance of the grace of God and the calling the chief of sinners, and was a true believer. And what she did, she did in faith. Hebrews 11.31 And her faith was shown by her works to be true and genuine. And it was manifest that she was a justified person. This instance is produced with the other to show that whenever there is true faith, whether in Jew or Gentile, man or woman or greater or lesser believers, or in such who have been greater or lesser sinners, there will be good works. And therefore that person is a vain man that talks and boasts of his faith and depends upon it and slights and rejects good works as unnecessary to be done. The apostle uh, concludes here in verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's a vain thing, useless, unprofitable. It's like an empty vessel. It can neither justify nor save nor prove that the man is justified. Like in verse 17, even so faith that has no works is dead being by itself. So Christian, what is... The proof of your faith. What is your evidence? Please do not let your salvation rest upon a mere belief in that God is one. The demons also believe in God, but they have no good works. On the other side of the coin, do not boast in your righteousness, your works. Your works are but gifts from God. You know, as James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights. 
why Paul teaches us in, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. But we may boast in one thing. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, for example. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how comforting it is to the soul that we do not have to rely on our own works to reconcile us sinners to our Father. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for reconciling us to you. A completely undeserved gift from you, your Son, Christ's righteousness being imputed to us, ascribed to us, that we may be called friends, that your wrath being appeased. Lord, what a wonderful thing. Will you help us grow greater in understanding of this, in the magnitude of this? This that we ourselves as men and women and mankind, that we decrease ourselves, our own works, trying to count us as righteous. Whereas by your grace we are saved. In Christ's name, amen.